Hebrews chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Please hear my cry, O God. Father, wipe my tears. From darkness far away I cry for you to bring me near. My heart is overwhelmed. My spirit is cast down. But the shelter of your wings, my Lord, leads me through this troubled ground. The shelter of your wings is a fortress for the fight against the enemy, the foe of truth and right. The shelter of your wings lifts my spirit so to sing. How I love the blessed comfort of the shelter of your wings. Your shelter sets me free from grips of sin and shame. Beneath your wings I soar, lifted high by Jesus' name. My strength is in your power, my might is not my own. It's the shelter of your wings that will carry me toward home. The shelter of your wings is a fortress for the fight against the enemy, the foe of truth and right. The shelter of your wings lifts my spirit so to sing. How I love the blessed comfort of the shelter of your wings. Your mercy and your truth that through the troubled way the heritage of hope led me high when low I lay. Your name that I so fear did to receive my trust. For mercies mixed with justice in the shelter of your wings. The shelter of your wings is a fortress for the fight against the enemy, the foe of truth and right. The shelter of your wings lifts my spirit so to sing. How I love the blessed comfort of the shelter of your wings. Happy New Year, everybody. Now, I... I know that it doesn't really seem like we should already be in a new year, but here we are. I also know it's not the very first of the year, but let's face it, it's the first couple of days, first few days of the new year. And, you know, if you're kind of like me, you might be wondering, you know, where where did the time go? Where did last year go? Because it doesn't seem like it should already be 2022, but here we are. And I want us to think about this as, as the passing of time and as our calendars kind of flip over and we see a new year coming around, 
right now and I mean it's already here see I'm, I'm still trying to get used to this myself but as this time comes I want us to think about how we are spending the time that we have been given because this new year it is it truly is a gift from God every single day that we have all the time that we have it's a gift from God and we need to be thinking about how we spend our time what we do with the things that God has given us what we do with the gifts that God has given us so I want us to look at a few passages that speak about how we spend our time and what we should be uh, thinking about, what we should be doing, some of those types of things. So let's open up our Bibles together and take a look at a few passages. The first passage is Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Now we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 13, so let's take a look at these together. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verses 1 through 8 right now. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. This passage is, is probably pretty familiar to, to most of us, but it truly does go through this, how it starts off, that there is a time for everything. And I hope that we can live our way, our, our lives in such a way that we can, can recognize how we are spending our time and perhaps what it is appropriate to do with our time. Because there is a time for just about everything that you can think about. And sometimes we need one thing and sometimes we need another. But we need to be all the while thinking about how we are spending our time that God has given to us. That's why Ecclesiastes doesn't end just right here. And even this thought doesn't end just right here. It continues on. Verses 9 through 13 now. What do workers gain for their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. We see that, that this introduction here of the the very beginning of this chapter is speaking about how there is a time for all of these different things but we see that all of these it is a gift that God has given to us and what do we need to do we need to be people who can do uh, good things while we live who can enjoy uh, this life that God has given to us and find satisfaction in the life that God has given to us whatever that might be and whatever your day might look like whatever your time might look like to be able to find satisfaction in it. We also see this beautiful little thought right here that shows up in verse 11. We see that yes, everything is beautiful in its time, but then notice that it says that he has set eternity in the human heart. That, that's an interesting thought, isn't it? That we have eternity in our heart. Now, I think that what this means is that it has to do with the fact of we recognize that we will continue on after this life. That eternity is a true thing. It is a real thing. Even though 
you know, we don't actually really see it in this life because, you know, in this life we see that that things they're they're born and then they die. They have some type of a well, we call it a life cycle, don't we? Everything has some type of beginning and some type of end, and we see that, we recognize that. Yet we also have this idea, this concept of eternity. Well, that, I believe, is because God has placed that within our hearts. And we are beings that are going to live for all eternity. Now, what type of life, of course, we have, uh, that is up to how we respond to God and whether or not we embrace God. And if we embrace God and follow God, then we can have eternal life. We can have this wonderful life that God has promised, that God has made a way for us to be able to be with him forever. That is if we choose to do so, if we choose to follow him. Now we see it's also quite difficult for us to be able to figure out because it says that no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. It's pretty difficult to see what God is doing from the beginning to end. In fact, the only time that we can really uh, kind of piece together even what we do know, it comes from what he's revealed in the Bible, doesn't it? This passage right here speaks to us about the time that we've been given, and there truly is a time for everything. So what are you doing with your time? Well, the psalmist kind of picks this up and and shares with us what we should be doing with our time and what it was intended for humans to do with their time from the beginning of time. Eh, maybe that's too much time mentioning there, but all the way back from Genesis, God had a plan of what he wanted from humans. And Psalm 8 kind of speaks about that, but in a very interesting way. Let's look at that together. In Psalm chapter 8, it begins and it ends the same way. It says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So that is what is the main thing, the main theme in this psalm is how majestic is the name of the Lord. But let's look at it because it also speaks about our place in it too, because we have a part to play uh, in all of this role as well. Psalm chapter eight, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor and made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and animals, of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now we see this psalm is ultimately talking about how majestic our God is. That's how it begins. That's how it ends. That's what I've already stated. Let's keep that in mind. But in the middle also of this psalm, we find out this question. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. I mean, think about that. The, the psalmist says, you know, whenever I consider your heavens, whenever I look up and whenever I see all of these things that you've set in place, what is mankind? What, what are human beings? Why does God care so much about us? But then it goes on and it describes us in a very interesting way. It describes humanity in a very interesting way. And this passage, by the way, in the New Testament, is brought in and, and it applies to Jesus in, in very interesting terms because Jesus most certainly became a human being and he became a human being and lived among us and showed us what it means to be the perfect human being. Right here we see in verse five, 
that it's speaking about us as humans, that we've been made lower than the angels, but yet there's something about us that has glory, something about us that has honor. And there's also this call that God brings us in. It says right here that you made them, speaking about humanity, you made them rulers over the works of your hands, you put everything under their feet. Now that's very interesting. And the Hebrew writer, uh, what uh, was, uh, was part of the reading earlier um, from the book of Hebrews in chapter 2, the, the Hebrew writer picks up on Psalm 8 and applies this to Jesus and, and shares with us kind of this idea that Jesus, because he was a human, that means for a time he was made lower than the angels, yet he most certainly was crowned with glory and honor. And we see that we have been called to be rulers over the works of the hand of everything that God has done. Now, you read in Genesis 1 and 2, and you find out that's what God wanted from us as human beings. He wanted us to rule and reign with him, like to rule over the earth. That, that's what he tells Adam and Eve to do. But they choose a different path. And we see here in this psalm that, he's, that he is revisiting that God has put everything under their feet. But is that what we actually see? Well, going back to the Hebrew writer, and I know I'm kind of flipping back between what the Hebrew writer says, the psalmist says, and then Genesis and all, but it's all kind of interwoven together. But what the Hebrew writer says is, you know, we don't see everything being in submission to us. We don't see everything put under our feet, but that's okay because we do see something great. What we do see is Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a time, but he now has been crowned with glory and honor, and he has actually brought many sons and daughters to glory. Now, how he's done that is, of course, is by making a way for us to be saved, making a way for us to be reconciled to God so that we can once again claim our rightful place, ruling and reigning with God and submitting, most certainly submitting to the rule and the reign of God. That's what we have been called as humans to do from the very beginning. But most of us, we've lost that calling. We've, we've, we've missed it entirely. But we see in Jesus Christ a refocus of our purpose. Perhaps that's a great thing for us to focus on this year is refocusing our purpose, that we are called to praise God. Everything that we do is supposed to, well, like the beginning and end of this psalm, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. It's supposed to reflect that of how majestic the name of the Lord is. We get a beautiful picture of this in Jesus in the New Testament. I want us to look at John's gospel. This is probably my favorite um, of the, the beginnings of the gospels. This is probably my, my favorite one. Because notice how it speaks about Jesus. Now, it's going to use a different term, uh, going to use kind of a different name that we know Jesus by. The name that Jesus is called right here is Word. And we know from verse 14 that the Word became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. So we know that this Word is speaking about Jesus Christ, but notice how the Word, who is Jesus, is spoken of here. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Talking about time, thinking about time. Well, here's another bit of time. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. 
Oh, that, that's a wonderful, wonderful thought right there. But we see in Jesus, we see through him, all things were made. I mean, this is kind of, especially when you think about Psalm 8 in this light. He has all of this glory. He has all this honor already. Everything that has been made, it was made through Jesus. We also find out in verse 4 that Jesus is connected with life. He's connected with light. In fact, he is the life and he is the light of all mankind. This is not just for, for Jews. John is, is thinking bigger than that from the, very, from the very beginning. Now, like some of the other gospels, they might kind of focus on how Jesus was, was sent to the Jewish people, for the Jewish people for a time. And he was. And John even speaks about that too. But we see that it's not supposed to just end there. It's not just about the Jewish nation. It's about all the other. It's about all of mankind. And Jesus himself was the light and the life of all mankind. And the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness has not put it out. The light is strong. That light is Jesus Christ. John goes on, verses 6 through 13 now. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone has come into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. We see something wonderful, but then also something sad, and then something wonderful again in this section of Scripture. The, the wonderful start is this person of John. John is a faithful witness, and he is a faithful just preacher. Uh, he preaches faithfully. He, he's a prophet as well. But he faithfully preaches and prepares the way for God, for Jesus Christ. We also see that whenever Jesus comes, something happened to him. We find out in verse 10 that the world did not recognize him. They did not receive him. They didn't accept him. Yet some people did. And so that's kind of the, that's really the, the negative things. I mean, could you imagine how much of a disappointment that time had to have been to Jesus? Now, I know that he knew this ahead of time and he knew that they were going to reject him, but still the fact that they rejected him, that has to sting. It has to hurt that the world did not recognize him. The world did not receive him. But then the wonderful thing, some people did receive him. And to those who did receive him, verse 12, it says those people who received him, the people who believed in him, the people uh, who, who put their faith in him, well, they became the children of God. We can be the children of God. In fact, most of you who are listening to this, you probably are already children of God. Not naturally speaking, you know, not like your gene genealogy is going to go back to, to Jesus or, or back to, to God in some way like that. But you've been born of God, born from above. It's a different type of birth, this rebirth, this spiritual birth. That's what John also talks about in chapter 3 with Nicodemus. But we see that, that right here, this is what Jesus has done. Jesus has given us the ability to be children of God, sons and daughters of God. Verses 14 through 18 now. 
The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John testified concerning Him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of His fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. This passage is a wonderful thought about what Jesus did for us. And I love this way of looking at what Jesus has done for us. Because the Word did become flesh. Jesus Christ, he became a human being. And he made his dwelling among us. This dwelling is the, the same word for like uh, pitching a tent, you know, ma making a tent. A temporary dwelling, you know, kind of is, is what we typically think of a tent being. But he, it doesn't, it still doesn't have like the kind of the permanent nature as to what like a, a permanent structure has to it, like made of stone or something like that. A tent is that image that Jesus used because he was only going to be in the flesh at least for a limited amount of time here on this earth. And he was. We, we can read this story. You can finish reading John's gospel and you find out about all these great things that he did. But you also find out that he died somewhere in the age of around 33. He, he, he died relatively young. He didn't just die of some natural cause. He was put to death because they did not receive him. Some people did receive him. We've already looked at that. But this is what Jesus has done. Jesus showed us a better way. We also see right here that even though we haven't ourselves seen God, Jesus can reveal him to us. In fact, Jesus has revealed him to us. If you want to find out what God would do in this situation or that situation, check out the Gospels. And you will find out, in most situations at least, what God would do because look at what Jesus did. And there you will see this perfect image of what God would do if God were among us. Because he was. And now we know that, of course, he is still among us in a different way. He's not among us in the flesh any longer, but he's among us in the spirit. He's still guiding us as the church. So perhaps this year, as we think about the time that we have been given, perhaps this year we can devote our time and give it all to King Jesus and allow him to rule and to reign in our lives. I hope that we can, we can put that at the, the front of everything that we do this year is making sure that we submit our lives to Jesus. Because yes, we don't see everything submitted and under our feet, but what we do see is things are under submission to Jesus. And one way that we can help that is by submitting ourselves to the leadership of Jesus Christ. This is the best type of life that we can have because it's the type of life that is eternal life. Jesus is the light and the life of all mankind. Let's come to him for those things. Let's also share this information with people around us so that they can also come under the rule and the reign of Jesus. I need patience, Lord. I need patience, Lord. I need patience, Lord. I need patience, Lord. To bear the burdens of this world. Lord. I need patience, Lord. Please keep me strong through the trials. Help me hold on to hope through all the storms. Patience, Lord. I need patience, Lord. Please.
Please help me to endure. I need patience, Lord. I need patience, Lord. I need patience, Lord. I need patience, Lord. To bear the burdens of this world. I need patience, Lord. I need patience, Lord. Please keep me strong through the trials. Help me hold on to hope through all the storms. Patience, Lord, I need patience, Lord, please help me to endure.